Hi everyone, welcome back to the Debugged Congressional App Challenge podcast. My name is Medha and today we have a very special guest with us. We have Hansel Lin. Hansel has spent much of his early career in the high-tech corporate world in and out of Silicon Valley and struck out on his own in 2011. From running his own rock music school for kids as a franchisee to developing Bay Area real estate, Hansel dabbled in a few things before founding the Coder School in 2014. He's fluent in Cantonese and can fake it with Mandarin, is a published co-author of two children's coding books, and is an avid endurance athlete, having run the Western States 100 miles race, and is currently an active Ironman triathlete. He's even in the dessert business, having recently created and opened Kudos Frozen Custard and Mini Donuts with his wife. Hansel currently lives in Palo Alto with his uber-supportive wife and business partner, Lisa, and three awesome kids. Hansel, how are you today? How are you doing, Meta? Thanks uh, so much for having me on. That was quite the intro. It feels like, it feels like I have too much going on now. <laughs> I gotta chop some stuff off my plate or something. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, we're gonna talk about that. Um, so first, I just really wanna dive right into it. Like, how do you balance everything that you do? And like, why are you doing so many things? What's your time management strategy? You're an athlete, writer of children's books, a serial entrepreneur. Like. What are you, what are you, what's going through your head, you know? <laughs> That's a good question. I think I'm one of those people that uh, I, I feel like uh, when I'm busy, I, I get busier. I, I, just, I just like to have a couple things on my plate to do. Uh, you know, when I'm watching TV, I feel like I also have to maybe stretch a little or do something else, you know, at the same time. Um, and so I think that's that's kind of my, my personality. I always uh, have a couple balls in the air. Uh, I, I think it's sort of a diversified mentality is, is sort of good uh, for my mind, at least. I can focus on different things, uh, uh, um, you know, throughout the day. That makes a lot of sense. And do you think that, like, you kind of have carried this kind of personality through childhood? And, like, what were some of the things you were involved in, you know, as a kid or growing up? <laughs> wow, that's a great question. I actually, I, I think I was the opposite of that as a, as a child. My my kids are the same as me, actually. You know, they just, when I grew up, I, you know, I played a lot of video games. I didn't do any organized sports. I didn't, I barely did anything at all. It was just study, go to school, go home, watch TV, um, unfortunately. So it's complete opposite as a kid, um, um, but my kids are the same now. And then, uh, you know, I feel like as I got older, not, not even until I was maybe 30 or something, you know, well into my career, I started uh, just sort of getting these, 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 this itching <laughs> to sort of, you know, start doing more things. And I felt like when I started doing it, uh, I just felt like it, it felt good. So it, it, you know, kind of continued it. Gotcha. And was there like a specific moment that kind of helped you flip the switch or even a mentor or inspiration? I, you know, it wasn't really a moment for me. It was working in the corporate world for a good, I don't know, I think it was, I'm going to guess 13 years, 15 years. And just, just as years wore, wore on, just thinking like, man, is, this really isn't for me. Like this, I just kept going for that promotion because everybody else was going for it. And then uh, one day I just saw uh, an advertisement in a magazine, uh, literally. And, and I was like, you know what? I, I need to just go out and do this on my own. I need to get out of the corporate world and just go do it. And I think that's when it started to kickstart everything. You know, once I started doing something on my own, I felt like, hey, I could, uh, you know, pick up a couple more things and, and uh, do a few different things. That's really interesting. And so I'm curious, was there like any fear about like leaving behind what everyone else was doing because you were doing that for so long and seeing all of your friends <laughs> just going for the next promotion? So what was like the mindset and how did you kind of tackle that fear that you might have had? 
Yeah, no doubt. There's a huge amount of fear. You know, anytime you go from a really comfortable situation where you have a guaranteed salary, you know, and, and just dropping out on your own, going for it, uh, you know, you just you never know uh, what's going to happen. Um, I, I I go through this with my prospective franchisees all the time uh, with the coder school. You know, they many of them are in a similar boat where they're thinking, "Hey, do I want to jump in and do this thing on my own?" And it's really scary. Um, but I think it's one of those things you just have to sort of do that meditation in your mind and decide if it's right for you and just go for it. Um, the key is once you go for it, you got to spend all of your energy and all of your time making sure it happens, right? If you can do that, it, it, it'll happen in some way, you know, maybe not the first thing you do, but the second or the third, you just have to uh, keep at it. Um, and, you know, the fear is there, but you got to kind of overcome it. Gosh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So your first venture after jumping from consulting in a corporate setting to was co-founding something called Fantasy TV. Do you mind just like talking about how you came up with the idea and like what that really was and like how yeah. how that vision ended up coming to fruition for you? Wow, that brings me back to the day. Wow. <laughs> so so this was, uh, I don't even know when it was, but it was shortly after the, the dot-com boom and bust. So I was, in, I was in the tech business out here in the Bay Area and, you know, I, I, I got laid off. All my friends got laid off and we were like, what should we do? And at the time we were playing a lot of fantasy football, uh, which was pretty big even back then. And so all my friends were paying it. And we just thought, oh, what, what if we did this thing where we put it on TV instead? And I just happened to have the decent coding chops. I got my buddy Wayne, who's the same guy that's uh, working with me now, together. And we were like, let's make this fantasy TV thing. And we spent a ton of time coding it. It was, it was hilarious and fun. We had little business cards and everything. But uh, <laughs> it was not exactly the business uh, that, we, that, that we wanted it to be. But it was fun, uh, you know, giving a shot. That was like the first shot. And, uh, you know, you don't, you don't succeed on everything. But it was, uh, it was a great learning experience, right? That sounds really cool. And also good on you for taking getting laid off as like an opportunity to really just like jumpstart something of your own that was meaningful to you. And so I'm curious because that's kind of something that we're seeing right now where so many people, every time I go on LinkedIn, I see someone's gotten laid off, unfortunately. So I'm curious, like what sorts of like advice would you give to someone um, who's kind of going through that struggle of like, they don't know if tomorrow they have a job? Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think, well, so for, for the ones who already have a job and they don't know if tomorrow they'll have a job, I, I think the key is always to, have, always to have something in your back pocket. Just sort of think about what would happen if, if you were to get laid off. Uh, would you just sort of sit on your severance and, and look for the next one? Or would you uh, be up for starting something now on your, on your own? Um, you know, it's one of the best times to do it is in, when somebody lays you off, <laughs> you know, and you have that opportunity to start something new. Um, for me, because I had a severance and all my friends had a severance at the time, I, uh, starting a business wasn't the first thing I thought of. We actually went and started a rock band. <laughs> so we all got together and just right. started playing music and, and just had a blast. <laughs> As everyone does, right? So yeah. I, I, I personally think if you get laid off, and especially if you have a severance, just take, take the time to enjoy life. You know, you've worked your butt off, you know, so many hours for, for, the, for the man, <laughs> you know, working in a tech world. You might as well go have some fun for a little bit. Uh, before diving back in right that makes a lot of sense um and so i'm curious like so you mentioned you started a rock band is that kind of why you decided to create a franchise of school of rock like where where did that come from and are you still part Absolutely. of this rock band where can we check you out you know <laughs> <laughs> no i'm not rock and rolling at all anymore um uh, you know, you know, part of, yeah, definitely that was a reason I, I did a rock school um, a franchise. A big reason is because I actually suck at music. I was the singer and the guitarist and I did some drumming. I did a little bit of everything, but I sucked at everything. 
and so did our entire band almost. But what we realized is it's about the marketing of it. So it was a bunch of us who had a bunch of our friends and we would go get them out at a bar. We would get on stage and people would start drinking and have a good time and they started singing along with us even though we were terrible. Um, and so what I realized, it's not about being the best musician. It's kind of about your brand. It's about your sobership. Can you, you know, get everybody riled up and having a good time? And so when I realized that, I thought, you know, I bet kids could totally do that because the parents are, you know, they're going to be all over that, right? They don't have to be that good. Right. Yeah, yeah, always yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, you know, if, if I could do it and I'm a terrible musician, you know, these kids can do it too. And so uh, a big part of that is, is why I uh, pursued that uh, rock school. That's really awesome. And that's, I, I think that's such a consulting perspective to take to a rock band that it's all about the brand. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, so I, I'm curious, like, how, um, I know that, you know, you're, fran- you're no longer part of that franchise, but, but how have you, if at all, carried through the, the things you've learned about owning a franchise? Like, I noticed that you mentioned that the Coder School has franchises. So have you kind of, like, implemented those same practices or ideologies in the Coder School that you learned from like, the School of Rock Palo Alto? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think I think as a franchisee, it was uh, it was really eye opening because I was able to go open a business and have somebody basically teach me how to do it, right? And so they showed me how to do marketing, how to do operations, and set up the schedule and all that stuff. And I and I asked I asked those guys, the rock school guys, can I do uh, a coder school? Is it okay with you guys? Because it's kind of similar. And they were okay, so I got the okay first. But I took so much of what I learned. Um, I mean, if you imagine, you know, as a rock school, you sort of, you still have to make a schedule with the parents. You have to get the kids and, you know, private lessons, makeups and all that stuff. Really, really, really a similar model to what we do at the coder school. It's just, we teach coding instead and it's not as loud. So I learned a huge amount operationally. Um, and then as a franchisee, I learned a ton about how to be a franchisor. Um, and, uh, I, I, I think, I think there are some things that I sort of didn't like about that school that I decided not to do at the coder school, but there's a lot of things that I really liked about the rock school that I also put into the, so it's kind of a mix of, uh, uh, the, the good and the bad, at least in my opinion, uh, that, that, uh, goes into the coder school. That makes a lot of sense. So both of them were sort of education focused, children's education focused organizations. And that makes a lot of sense why there's a lot of similarities. So I'm curious. What are what sorts of like ways has the vision of the coder school from when you started it changed or come to fruition as opposed to like what it is now? Uh, yeah, so I you know I think a, by and large a, a huge amount of it is pretty similar to what I thought it was. The main thing I, I that that didn't come to fruition is that the kids can't code together. <laughs> so, you know, at a rock school, the, the biggest thing was like, you, you know, get five kids in a room and, you know, they're jamming and they're playing Led Zeppelin and they do it together and they play a show together. Um, and at first I thought, oh, why don't I get five kids together and they'll work on this application together, put all the pieces together and make this big app. Uh, it turns out it's just impossible to do. Uh, it's, it's just really complicated to put everything together. Even adults have a hard time, <laughs> you know, putting all these pieces oh, together yeah. for an app. So Hackathons are the worst. Oh, man. You know, hack- yeah. Projects are the worst. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, so, so it turned out that it's really hard to work together with kids when, when, when they didn't totally know how to code, right? So, uh, so we don't do a lot of that. Um, we don't do any of that as, as, as like full-on team coding. You know, folks are sort of doing their own projects. 
Gotcha. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So what has kind of been, if you're allowed to talk about this, because I don't want to put any kids on blast, but what has been the coolest <laughs> project that you've seen a kid produce or the most impressive or, or honestly, even, yeah. even not even just about the project, but your most meaningful interaction with one of your students? Well, I mean, I think so. So, uh, you know, we all know about the Congressional App Challenge. And, you know, we're, we're a big partner with you guys uh, uh, there. And we submit applications every year. And um, I remember this, uh, one of our schools in New York uh, always wins something. But uh, this one of these years, they had something submitted that uh, it was a group of, I think, four kids are all high schoolers. And it, um, it, it used AI for a a video that came from a drone to check to see if uh, people were six feet apart for COVID. <laughs> and so I remember that hit all the buzzwords at the time, you know, AI drone COVID. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. And it actually, you know, it actually did it. It actually, you know, did, did the check that, you know, looked at the video. Are these guys six feet apart? No. So pretty impressive stuff. I don't know that it was production ready, but it was uh, sort of prototype ready at least. And so even to be able to get to that stage uh, is, is really, really impressive. That's so crazy that they were able to, you know, meet through the coders school and create that project using yeah. your resources. I'm just so curious. All I'm wondering is how can I get a drone and test that out? And also, how did they <laughs> test it out? Because one of them had to have a drone, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you can get drones for, for not too expensive yeah. these days. And, you know, you just install the right software and right. all that stuff. So That's yeah. so cool. Um, I love that. Um, so I really want to pivot a little bit because... I know in my in my introduction of you, I talked about how you opened a dessert business. How did you get there? Is it fun working with your <laughs> wife on the dessert business? And you know, <laughs> <laughs> am I allowed to say that? I know. Is my oh, wife well, I hope so. <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, how did you decide to <laughs> go into that venture? And what has that journey uh, been like for you? Yeah, so I, I think it's, it's one of those things where I, I was at the time thinking, uh, you know, what else can I sort of put on my plate? With the coder school, it got to a point where I, I had built it to a certain level. It was, it, was, it was plateauing. I wasn't spending like, you know, the, the 70 hours I used to spend on it. And so I thought, hey, I've got some time. Let me see what else I can put on my plate. Um, I knew I couldn't do it full time. And so that's where the wife uh, came in. Um, and so the dessert store is actually a frozen custard store. Um, and it is not very big in the West. I don't know if you've heard of it before, but frozen custard is a big dessert in the Midwest. It's basically ice cream with egg yolk uh, in it to make it creamier. Um, but people out here in the West Coast, they've never even heard of it. So uh, I went to school in St. Louis uh, where there was uh, this frozen custard place called Ted Drew's, which all of the kids at my college loved. And so I thought, hey, you know, maybe I can bring that out to the West Coast and you know, instead of paying for a franchise, you know, and paying somebody else, I think I could figure it out myself. <laughs> so that's kind of where the idea came from. Um, uh, so decided to give it a shot. My, my wife is more the operational person. She actually does the store stuff. Uh, and on the back end stuff, all the taxes and payroll and all that stuff. And um, she and I came together and did the branding. And, and we were really happy with uh, uh, how it came out. Um, but I'll tell you that it's, it's not doing as well as we hoped. I think the location is not as good. And I tell you, Anybody out there who has a food business, uh, mad, mad respect. It, it's really, really hard work. Um, so it's really cool for, for, for anybody who can actually do it. It's, it's really amazing. I don't, I don't know if we're going to be able to survive in the food business. Um, 
it's uh, quite a bit harder than the coder school. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've heard the ROI is, is pretty it's is pretty slim <laughs> in the food business. But but good luck. Um, I lived in the Midwest for a couple years growing up, so I definitely am a fan of frozen custard. So awesome. hopefully I'll, I'll reach out to some West Coast friends of mine and tell them to go to this <laughs> store. Awesome. Um, but I'm I'm curious. Uh, so I noticed you didn't you didn't actually go to business school, and so I'm curious. Like you've done so many entrepreneurial things. Would you recommend that like people get their hands dirty and just start doing things and starting businesses instead of going to business school? Or do you think everyone's journey is different? I'm just curious about that, especially because like as someone who's graduating, you know, I'm thinking about grad school options. So I'm curious about like what your perspective on that is. Awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I think the first thing is, like you said, everybody's different. Everybody's journey is different and, and, and people, you know, sort of gravitate towards different things. Uh, in my opinion, uh, in fact, the way this, the, the coder school is run, we, we are very much a learn by doing uh, school, an immersion school. Uh, a lot of parents ask us, what's your curriculum? And, and, and the fact is, um, we don't really use a specific curriculum. We just learn by doing it. Um, so I, you know, my analogy is always like, uh, you know, if you wanted to learn Chinese, is it better to take Chinese 101, you know, at your school, or is it better for me to take you to China and, you know, just walk around and, and just, you'll just eventually pick up the language. That's how we teach coding. Um, and I, I think that's true of a lot of things, especially business. If I look back to my own computer science background, uh, you know, I, I had a major in CS, but that major... I was learning so such crazy stuff, like all these like huge five five page problem sets and you know assembly language and binary this and that, none of which I've ever used. Right? It's all just to get the degree. Um, so where did I actually learn to code? Is is when I got my first job and my boss was like, "Hey, code this," right? And then I coded that thing and then I coded the next thing. And so it's really on the job learning. And so that's how we teach our kids uh, how to code. And I think especially for business. Um, that's, it's, you know, just jump right in and do it. Um, not, not to say that anything wrong with getting an MBA, you can meet so many contacts, get a great network, uh, you know, get funding, all that kind of stuff, uh, people that you can know. But uh, in terms of just running a business, it's, it's not about the theoretical, you know, how do you, how do, you do a P&L from, from your MBA? It's like, you're just in there and your bank account is your P&L, you know, you're actually doing it for real. Uh, that's how you really learn, I think. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what you said about being a computer science major, trust me, nothing has changed. (laughs) Um, Computer science major and constantly me and my peers talk about how the hardest and required classes as computer science major are completely unnecessary. The courses that are electives like mobile web app development, AI and like machine learning models, at least like those courses were actually building projects and those are actually useful. So um, hopefully it'll change, but I totally agree with you on that. Um, So I have two more questions for you. First is, do you have any regrets um, in terms of, not in terms of personally, but in terms of like (laughs) your career wise um, and some of the decisions you made? Or do you think they were all learning experiences? Yeah, I think definitely everything was a learning experience. Honestly, I think my biggest regret is probably not leaving corporate sooner. Uh, you know, again, everybody has a different personality. My my brother is the opposite of me. He's 100% corporate, always been in the ladder, you know, climbing the ladder CEO type of guy. But that's just not me. I just, I'm not somebody to manage a giant team and run a huge corporation. I'm somebody to do a small business and, and you know, get my hands in everything. And I just, my, my regret is I wish I would have recognized that sooner um, and got out of corporate sooner. 
Um, but, you know, coming in, for me, coming into small business, 100% is the best thing I've ever done. And, and like the lifestyle that I live now, live now is, is exactly what uh, I would want to do for me. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. And so my last question is, what sort of legacy would you want to leave behind? Um, and I know that you mentioned you have kids. Um, so what sorts of like things that are, are you hoping to teach them as well as the students you have at the Coder School? Yeah, I think um, I think the importance of uh, technology and coding and learning how to code. It's it's uh, you know our pitch at the coder school is is not that you have to be a professional coder. You know, it's it's not about being a CS major, but it's about learning a little bit about coding and technology and how it works. Because honestly, there's every everything you know has technology in it. Um, you know, we we know about ChatGPT now, and it's it's such a big deal. But just two months ago, I, I don't think we would have, you know, you and I both being in CS, we never would have thought that would have been possible. And then all of a sudden they flip out this ChatGPT and it's amazing. And that's version 0.1, right? Um, so the fact that this technology is coming so fast, I think all kids should at least learn a little bit about it, understand it at a high level at the very least. Uh, you know, get, you know, learn how to practice uh, uh, logical thinking. Uh, because that that uh, applies to any um, you know any industry, not just the CS folks. Yeah, at this point, I feel like it's like learning English. It's almost yeah. a requirement. Yeah. Okay. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of your really really interesting words. And so, before I let you go, um, any last words that you wanted to say to our listeners? Uh, yeah, you know, I always end my podcast by by saying uh, to the listeners, uh, anybody who has a kid or maybe knows a kid, uh, get them to code. Uh, you know, this is the time to do it. You don't have to do it at our school. Um, there's many, many schools out there or even online. Uh, now is the time to do it, even if they know a little bit about it and they don't end up being a CS major. That's okay. It's really uh, necessary uh, at this point. Yeah, that's a great final message, um, especially coming from the Debugged podcast. So I really appreciate (laughs) that. But thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate you being here. I definitely learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners will learn a lot. With that, thank you to our listeners for tuning in to this episode. And we'll talk to you and see you in the next episode.